Hello and welcome to episode 83 of Kaiju Curry House, the fortnightly show that gives you a healthy dose of Kaiju goodness every other Monday. I'm Paul Williams and as promised I have someone with me today, Smokey Joe is back, so it won't just be me waffling and as I said I didn't even talk about trimmers, how good was that? So you brought it up now. I know, I know. I, just, I want to throw it in just a tiny bit. Um, okay, so today we're talking to talk about Attack the Block. It was released back in 2011, so it's it's been out for 10 years now. It's a decade old. Um, but before we go too much into that, I have to ask Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? Glad you asked, Paul. Glad you asked. So I haven't been up to too terribly a lot. Um, I did, however, see the new Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And while they're demony ghost creatures, there was a significant amount of terror dog action, which I really enjoyed because those scared the ever-living goodness out of me <laughs> when I was younger. So uh, it was nice to see them make a return. And there were a lot of practical effects with the terror dogs, which was really refreshing to see. Yeah, there was a decent amount of practical effects work in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was really solid. So it's currently in theaters. It will be in theaters as you're listening to this when this episode drops. Give it a watch. It is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. With regards to what else has been up, um, honestly, I've been window shopping. I've seen a couple of SH Monster Arps figures drop. I've seen some stuff from X+. And quite honestly, still holding out for an X plus Ray Harryhausen, or I should say Star Ace figures, Harryhausen Dragon. Nothing is going to tempt me away from that beast. And I know when it comes out, it's going to hurt. So I've just been saving my uh, pennies, as it were, for that. Paul, so, what have wh Kaiju been up to? Oh, when, it, when is the dragon coming out? I have no idea. I have no idea. But when we talk, to Star Ace and X Plus <laughs> on this podcast. You can find the episode in our backlog, folks. They said a dragon will be coming. And they've done the Cyclops. We've got Talos. We've got all the other stuff. The dragon is the last big drop that they have left, and we are going to go for it. Okay. So okay. So we are I, we are just waiting. It, it, it's confirmed it's coming. Yeah, they are working on it. It's just I want to know. And it, it's definitely, it's probably going to drop as like a gigantic figure with my luck. And, Oof. but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because that completes every critter I have wanted. I have my Terror of Mechagodzilla Trinity up on the shelf there. I have my GMK Ghidorah. I have my Godzilla 1984, 85 dependent. I have my Gamera, I have my 62, my 1 million years BC. I've got all the stuff that I have been jonesing for ever since I was a kid. That is the one last critter from my childhood. I never got like a figure or anything for that I was always wanting. So once I have that, I will feel complete. But anyways, Paul, I did ask you. You did. Also, you did. what have Kaiju been up to? Because <laughs> I know it's been a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I did. I, I gave all I had the last episode um i haven't been up to a <laughs> massive amount since then well i've been up to lots of stuff i've been busy but not necessarily with kaiju stuff mm -hmm. um i have been playing a game that i won't really say is kaiju but i'll mention it out you know um last of us part two it's about as kaiju as Matango, 
because it is about mushroom people that you know attack you so it's it's there um it's it's a horrific game please play it if you're feeling very happy because it's so depressing um they are making a tv show about it with the chernobyl mm. director uh, oh by, well that, yeah. that miniseries was incredible so yeah i mean that was a you know ray of sunshine wasn't it as well so i think that tone but about um uh yeah virus swap that's you know wiped off most of mankind and people just trying to survive it should be interesting yeah definitely i mean there's that and then just today i do have one thing i watched journey to the beginning of time oh <laughs> so just folks, for you joe so <laughs> folks i have talked about this movie a lot on this podcast because it was a big part of my childhood and it's a wholesome film so it got released recently and it got the full update, you know, digital and everything. You can get it on Amazon. It, it's not an expensive movie, but it is a fun one. So I gifted it to Paul for his birthday. Paul, what'd you think? That film is old, Joe. It is old, but it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> my my eldest looked up and he was like, that's not, you know, he's like, no, is that, he's like, that, that's not walking properly. He's like, is that a man in a suit? no it's not actually but um there you go but my youngest he loved it he yeah, was really enthralled yeah so like three-year-old he was just like oh, wow and i think he loved it because they were kids on an yeah. adventure you know and it felt it felt quite educational because they were talking about you know the whole thing and what they'd seen at the museum and yeah i mean i should say it was very wholesome it was, was very it, it, it's not a story with any antagonist in it it's just no. the kids just kids going on a little in prehistory yeah 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 but <laughs> it, it is enthralling so my little girl is currently eight and i say from five until seven i got regular requests for the camping boys movie which is what she called it okay. and it was just fun it's fun and it's just one of those movies you can back on the tv and it's just it keeps you happy and it, it, it just it's one of those great films it's not necessarily it has rewatchability i guess is what i would say yeah you know it's but it's very it's so easy going that it could just be on in the background there was you know because yeah. you say there's no threat there's no sense of danger it's just kids traveling not traveling through time but they are on a on an adventure just seeing all the different different periods of, of time right from modern all the way to back to the beginning and lots of fancy light shows at the end it was very trippy there i was like wow this is big bang and all that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no it, it was fun it was fun and uh that was actually done in conjunction with the museum of natural history so they expressly requested please make this educational but <laughs> it's funny you watch that and then another bit of news that's dropped this week is the new jurassic world dominion prologue oh, yeah dropped on social media um and i'm gonna give full spoilers here so this is your chance to just back away but it it features a scene in the cretaceous we see accurate representations of many of the species that are in jurassic park and they look different from the species in jurassic park because those are hybrids they have amphibian dna in them and whatnot and then the last scene that takes place in the Cretaceous totally botches the whole thing because what they've done is they've set up this fight with a giganotosaurus 
in a Tyrannosaurus rex. And the Tyrannosaurus rex is gorgeous because it has feathers. The arms have been modified so that they look about right. There's nothing wrong with the T-Rex and the T-Rex is in the right setting. The Giganotosaurus, however, lots of folks seem to have a problem with, and I'm included, because during the Cretaceous, there was a northern landmass and there was a southern landmass. They were called Laurasia and Gondwana, respectfully. And Tyrannosaurus rex lived in Laurasia, which was the northern one, and Giganotosaurus lived in the southern one, which is Gondwana. And there were oceans in between them. So there was no Giganotosaurus that ever saw Tyrannosaurus rex and vice versa. And then if we want to like say, oh, well, you know, one could have swum or something like that. Maybe there were aliens, Joe. Okay, let, let's give a suspension of disbelief. They were separated by 30 million years. 30 so a little while then. million years. Yeah, so... Anywho, a Giganotosaurus never saw Tyrannosaurus rex. So everybody who watches this, who knows dinosaurs, or is even like an amateur dinosaur enthusiast, they're all, why did you go through that effort, Jurassic World Dominion? Why did you go through this effort to put a Giganotosaurus and a Tyrannosaurus rex together in the Cretaceous? They never saw each other, ever. So you just undermined all of that effort by shoehorning a Giganotosaurus in just so it could be your new villain. So is that, is that who it's going to be then? Do you think that's going to be the new bad? Okay, so in, in this scene, it kills a T-Rex. Yeah. And there we have it. Now, people have also pointed out that Giganotosaurus looks absurd. It looks like, like a tank dinosaur. Giganotosaurus <laughs> didn't have all this stuff. My answer to that is rhinos if you look at a rhino skeleton there's no horn the horn's made of keratin and keratin rots away it's like your fingernails so the giganotosaurus in the jurassic world prologue has these keratinous these bony things on its head um, they look like horn or hornlets over the eyebrows and then it has these like a ridge of like spikes along its back that are kind of like osteoderms or what have you but they're like modified scales Again, like people are attacking this, and then I'll also say teeth are quite conical; they're they're thick. So we're gonna we're gonna attack um, some of these things one at a time. So regarding the head and what's on the head, like the hornlets and all that, I'm not gonna say okay, those things didn't exist because that stuff may not have fossilized. We may never know. So. Turkeys look absurd, but you'd never tell that looking from one's bones. So whether or not Giganotosaurus had all of this, you know, like armor, these scales, all that, I couldn't tell you. To a degree, I could almost give a suspension of disbelief and like say, oh, maybe because Giganotosaurus was designed to go after sauropod dinosaurs. These are the ones with like the big, long necks, right? Littlefoot, for lack of, you know, better terminology. So it would go after grown-up versions of that. So the fact that it might have like a little bit of like thick skin, so to speak, on its head and on its back would make a little bit of sense because that's where it would get hit or knocked down by one of these massive animals it was going up against. So that's defending it. 
Although it is like, again, like that's really like giving it a lot of credit there. The other thing is the thick teeth. So you're looking at this Giganotosaurus in the prologue and it has these big, thick gnashers. They didn't have that in real life. So they went after these absolutely enormous uh, dinosaurs, again, called sauropods, Argentinosaurus, one of the largest sauropods ever discovered. And how hard they bit down on that wouldn't matter. That's what you need big conical teeth for, like T-Rex. When T-Rex bit you, it was to crunch like a bone. T-Rex was there to cripple you when it bit you, right? And then you wouldn't be able to get away. So Giganotosaurus, it couldn't do that. It would never have a bite big enough. So its teeth were designed to slash and just they were there for blood loss. Like it would slowly weaken its prey. It would bleed out. So it wouldn't have teeth designed like these big conical gnashers like what you see in the prologue. So they screwed up on that. And then they really went to the nth degree to design it to look more badass than a T-Rex. But it, and it shouldn't have been there anyway. And they were just going for accuracy. And like people, dinosaur fans have been waiting for Jurassic Park to finally like show them accurate dinosaurs for so long, like feathered dinosaurs. And then they did that, which is really like kind of taking the piss. Like it so was. It, would you have been happy if they just didn't have any accuracy at all at the beginning of that clip? That would have been better, probably. Because yeah, because the you, films to date have not been realistic at all. No, like why even have a prologue that shows yeah, get that. accurate animals <laughs> if you're just going to screw up like the last ten seconds of it so absurdly? Well, I don't know, Paul. I don't well, know. It's just I did. I say I. I did have no. I had no idea that it was in the in the wrong era. All, all I remember. Wrong I'm just era. Thinking, wrong I'm, place. I'm thinking right. back to Jurassic World, where a T Rex and Raptor team up to fight off an Indominus Rex, and it was so cool but so ridiculous. And that's what I, that's what the franchise has become now. So I was not expecting anything accurate at all. I'm, I was just, I I'm surprised they yeah. even bothered. I know, but they promised this, and then they, like, they jerked it Oh, did they? And they almost, said... Yeah, they said, we're going to show you accurate dinosaurs. And, like, some okay. of the dinosaurs in that were really accurate. I mean, like, the pterosaurs that they showed, they aren't, those aren't dinosaurs, but they were accurate, which was really lovely. And the motions were good, and what they were doing was right. I mean, all the other dinosaurs there, it was brilliant. They didn't, they showed, like, even the flora, like, the plants were done correctly. It was so good and then they just deliberately deliberately screwed it up it just <laughs> it just well they did the bit at the start for, for the people who care and they did the bit at the end for people that don't people that don't care the people that had the t-rex at the like drive-in movie theater that was for them <laughs> okay yeah i suppose they could have if, then if, they need, like, if that's going to be the bad guy, they need to show it being badass, don't they? So they had to do something. <sighs> Rexy's actually a girl. Rexy slash Roberta. That, those, are her, those are her two names, yeah. She's Roberta in the Jurassic Park film franchise, and she's Rexy in the uh, novels. That's, okay. what Muldoon, that's what Robert Muldoon calls her. Rexy. Yep. <laughs> I also want to give a disclaimer, folks, for it, just in case anything happens. 
Um, there are some boys sleeping over at Joe's house tonight. And if you hear any rustling or rambunctiousness, I apologize. <laughs> They're having fun, so bear with me. <laughs> what is um, this new Jurassic World coming out? Is it next year, I take it? Yeah, and I think it's like June 2022. Okay. Big summer film yep. next year. Awesome. I look forward to seeing what they do with this film. I wasn't that impressed with the last one. I don't think many people were, honestly. But it had a Carnotaurus in it. The last one had my favourite dinosaur in it. Oh, okay. So yeah. there's that. It is pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Attack the Block. Okay, Attack the Block. Let's talk about that. So as I mentioned before, it's now a decade old, which is, is quite scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed, written and directed, wasn't it, by Joe Cornish? Who, it was. Um, now, I used to watch him on the Adam and Joe show as a teen, so absolutely love the guy. Um, it was, yeah, Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish just doing stupid things that I would find hilarious. And he went on then to direct this film, and I think he then did Ant-Man for Marvel. So he's... Um, mm, he's on, he's and, up on the world, yeah. Yeah, and then they've announced that there's going to be a sequel to Attack the Block. That's really awesome. Which, yeah, it's it's it seems strange that it's so long afterwards. So another another person that folks may know from this is John Boyega, and he's coming back for the sequel allegedly. Yeah, John, you will know him from the Star the recent Star Wars films, and he's just shot up in stardom. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm surprised he's coming back. Really, I mean, I don't know if he's got a bigger budget or if he's just like as a friend thing that he's going to come back to do it. Well, I mean, like. In a sense, it kind of started him off, didn't it? I well, mean, that's it, yeah. And if he got he, on well with, with Joe and, and the cast, then why not come back? They must, they must have a good script. That's, that's what I can imagine. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see him come back and see what they've got to, to think of it. But, um, but Joe, I, I know we've mentioned this film at some point on the podcast. I can't remember if it was yourself or Alex who seemed quite... We, we have talked about it, but before we... We just we just need to mention that John Boyega was also in Pacific Rim. I feel like... Oh, he was, wasn't he? As the, uh, I mean, not not really no. the good one. Not the good one. But, you <laughs> know, like... Uprising. As, yeah, yes. as the Kaiju podcast, we need we need to mention that. We should. We don't really talk about I could, I, Yeah, I completely forgot about that film. We should talk about that one day. Because I'm sure it's not... <laughs> Lots of people forgot about that film. <laughs> Uh, I do. I've, I've, I've bought it. I, I own it, so I really should watch I it. I own again. it too. I own it too. We're kaiju fans. We buy everything on DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray so that we can have it. Because Lord knows, streaming platforms and stuff aren't going to pick these things up. Well, yeah, there is that. But yeah. Anyways, back to Attack the Block. Do you want to? I mean, for our listeners who haven't seen it, do we want to go through oh, yeah. the plot? So, Let's go oh. through some spoilers here and I totally ruin the plot for you. So, so yeah, spoiler warning. Yeah, spoiler warning. So a bunch of like tween age thugs, I guess you could say, you know, like teenager thugs, early teen thugs. All wearing hoodies. Um, all wearing hoodies. They're just, they're up to no good. They're not necessarily bad, but they're doing bad things. Anyways, um, they rob a gal who is Jodie Whittaker and yeah, they're just, go off and yeah meteorite lands alien comes out they kill it 
and then they like towed it around and stuff and then more more aliens start to land but they are bigger much and bigger meaner. yeah <laughs> and basically they live in a tower block in london and the aliens converge on them because what they didn't know is they killed a female whose pheromones are now all over them because they've been touching this thing and they're hunting the aliens are hunting through the block for these guys and like they're protecting each other they're protecting their friends and they're killing some of these creatures but they're just too many and it just ends um with them pulling off a last minute victory um jody whitaker has a, a renewed opinion of these thugs because they've saved her she found out that they aren't that bad and fade to black everybody's a hero um like we said john boyega is the star he's like the big thug leader he's the main character so to speak the story revolves quite a lot around him it is kind of an ensemble cast um there are a lot of fun people in it nick frost is in it it's always a joy to see him i personally think he's hilarious even without simon Pegg. but um yeah it, it's a fun movie the special effects are great the creature design so the creature design in this film is really fun so they are jet black like you cannot yeah. see any details about them until they open their mouths and they have like these green bioluminescent teeth and they are some gnarly gnashers these are not vegetarians but they are jet jet black which is really a cool thing well that's it because i think they said that not, not even light reflects off it does it it is literally just black it's just like a black hole you're staring into they are, they are you the cannot see it space, at night yeah. so it, i mean yeah. obviously that was probably for maybe for budget reasons who knows but it it is a very cool it was effect a, it was a, yeah it was a cool design thing yeah like at one point like <laughs> I, I remember like it was one of the black characters he puts his hands on was like yo man that thing is black like you are <laughs> yeah, nothing like, yeah like that that was just like a funny moment in there yeah. just like man you're black but that thing is black black yeah yeah that's blacker than <laughs> yeah. my cousin so-and-so was like you're saying wasn't it it's, yeah, yeah yeah it was yeah. just that that was like a funny movie i think everybody in the room chuckled you know really lightened it and then because you're like up until that point it's been really serious like it's it's been like youths getting in trouble it's been like th these things killing people there's, there's been something like they've killed something like and then like you start getting some of like the dialogue is just like yeah, that's kind of funny. But you know, like it oh, just the dialogue. The, because dialogues, they are it, it, and the, so like there's a lot of slang. A lot of slang. A lot of slang. So believe I, fam, blood, true that. I, I uh I remember watching this. So I moved to the United Kingdom in 2014. So when this came out in 2011, oh, and I saw it like before I moved over. That's not here. how you'll talk. <laughs> Oh, it's totally how you all talk. You mean? <laughs> but um, I was watching that and I had no idea what they were saying. Like I, I didn't understand any of the slang. And I was like, I was just looking and it was like at my partner at the time because she's from England. And I was, is that London? I mean, like, is this, is this the way London is? Like, what, what do you mean a block? Like they keep mentioning the block. Is this like a city block? It's like, no, 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 no. So they call the building show like oh yeah, right, block right, of right. flats <laughs> yeah it was really yeah. it was an interesting cultural learning experience for the joe even if it's not entirely correct because it teaches you about some things you know as an outsider 
So for those of you who are among our listeners who are not living in the United Kingdom, so a tower block is like this community housing, like there are these tall buildings and they're just full of apartments. They're usually, would it be right to say that they're economical or low cost apartments yeah. inside, inside London? <laughs> and they have a reputation for attracting perhaps unsavory characters. In this case, Nick Frost, who's growing a ton of marijuana, yeah. or a bunch of hoodies who are mugging people, or like their like cousins or whatever that are in a gang. And yeah, so it's not always the case, I'm sure, but you know, like you have this low-income housing in London. And in this particular one, there are some characters who are not always on the right side of the, you know, criminal justice um, department. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was a great movie. It was clever. The dialogue. Yeah, you may have to get used to the dialogue. Look up a few words if you like. Don't know. <laughs> I think you at get this, the gist of what's happening, even yeah, yeah, if you don't at, understand the yeah, words. At this at this point, like t- slaying ten years ago. You might have to look it up anyways for some of the newer listeners. That, yeah, no, that's a really good point, actually. Because, yeah, yeah I, I was around for that, and I, you know, I knew the slang. I didn't like the slang, but I knew it. And going, going back to it now, it's like, oh, that's... Yeah, they don't say that anymore. Yeah, but it, it's, the dialogue is well-written, though, and it feels believable. You see, it's done in such a small, like, non-blockbuster, like, crazy scale yeah that it it does feel believable it's kind of like alien in that sense like alien it's just space truckers and it's a pretty small confined set so there's not like a lot like in so far as technology or plot points or whatever that you can believe like these are just people these are just people living in their block and it's just something crazy that's happening around it in your set in this sense you know like paul you could probably equate it to tremors yeah. So like, there are these people, a small town, and then these monsters randomly show up. So Attack the Block has very, I guess you could say it's almost like Tremors for, you know, like that area in London. I mean, like, we have just like these random creatures showing up and eating and killing people. So it has like that great indie vibe to it. It is a really fun film. It's, it's, it's a clever film, and it it's kind of a statement piece on those blocks and that way of living in that type of community. I think that it does have a few things to say about that, doesn't it? Because in the end, like they're all kind of preaching about the block because when they rob Jodie Whittaker, uh, they're kind of like, you know, they they rob her. And then when they find out she lives in the block, she's like, oh, if you told us you were in the block, we would have never done that. Yeah, sorry. You know, like they look out for each other. They know each other. Like these are their neighbors. It's all about community. Well, I mean, like it, it, it in is a, a in a way, yeah, yeah. But it was interesting. So, what did you take out of the film, Paul? I watched it recently because I knew we were recording it. But I remember first watching it and thinking that was fine. I was put off by the language because, as you say, it's just, there's so much of that slang that I was just like, oh, kind of ruined it. But watching it more recently, I enjoyed it a lot more because I knew kind of what what the tone and and that that would be so yeah going into it again more recently it's like the effects are still fantastic because there isn't that much there it's just jet black creatures with glowing teeth yeah it's it's just it's just men in suits isn't it men in gorilla like costumes effectively but jet black 
yeah. and then just cgi teeth i guess so that's it yeah the, those i mean like it was practical effects it's really nice in that sense i mean there are a few like shots you know where it won't be but like for instance like them crawling on the outside of the building you know oh yeah but, yeah there's not to be people doing that but, yeah um... but it, it is it no it, it is like practical effects like i said it's very believable I and mean, like all the movements and everything of the creatures like it, it's really good it is really great in that sense yeah yeah I mean, and you know how you said about like it, how it is believable for what what they would do in that situation um joe the director joe cornish he grew up in london I and mean, he was he was mugged in london that was kind of like an inspiration as it were for the film him being mugged and for the film he did go around to the youths and he said you know what would you say if you saw this alien what would you do you know what would you use as a weapon and so he you know he did a lot of market research as it were um <laughs> awesome. to find out what would be believable and that's that's why it is so so well done because that is what people say um there's that line about the girl saying oh i wouldn't touch that i'll get chlamydia that you know that was a, a real person said that when he showed showed her the alien and they you know they put it in the film so it was really um just based on what tweens would say if they saw an alien and stuff what they think they would get out of the closet to attack it with which was what fireworks and stuff yeah well I mean, it's what they have you know well yeah i mean that's i mean they do have a lot of fireworks they like to blow things up is so this 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 again is another great point so i remember watching this with some friends in the united states and they're like oh someone should have a gun like who has a gun or you know like well, there should be knives and stuff like that what you what folks in the united states don't necessarily realize is that like guns in the united kingdom are a whole different kettle of fish not everybody has them and when you get them you're usually in a rural area the fact that there was somebody in this film with a handgun i thought that that was you know like oh wow okay like so there, you know, someone like someone has a gun fair enough and it's you know like the gang leader fair well, yeah the drug dealers probably yeah, yeah. are the type of people that would have a firearm. yeah yeah but like these kids didn't have access to a firearm whereas right. in the united states you're just like oh run over yeah, my hunter it. my neighbor the hunter or you know like so and so down the street right like, they'll, okay. they'll have one or you know like the knives and stuff so where i'm from in the united states like having a hunter's knife or a big old buck knife or something like that like folks have that stuff so to see like these kids baseball bat squirt gun i love know, the like, squirt gun that was fantastic yeah, yeah random like mall bot katana you know like all this stuff it was great to see them like like assemble their arsenal because there wasn't that much i mean like the bonfire night fireworks and stuff like that's what they're gonna have isn't it yeah that is, that again, is what it, we have there there was nothing that wasn't believable in this it was really good in that sense i think one of the better ones is when they smashed the light and then shocked a creature oh yeah that was cool that was the girls wasn't it they're like yeah <laughs> they're so tough yeah the girls were tough <laughs> But if, again, like me, again, that, that's a really nice thing because the girls, they weren't necessarily as pivotal in this as, again, we're going to come back to Jodie Whittaker. Like she was the central female character in the show, but all the character, all the female characters in the show, when they were shown, they were very strong characters, weren't they? Like they were well represented. They weren't made out to be anything less than the males. It's just the story didn't necessarily revolve around them. Yeah. As you say, yeah, they weren't pivotal to the plot as such, but 
when the creatures came in, the girls held their own and saved some of the guys. So yeah, it, it really was um, equal equal opportunities back a decade ago. He he made sure that they were represented, that they are just as tough uh, as the guys can be. Yeah, it's a remarkably solid film. So we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back to how how well the film did and what you should think about when you're going into watching it. Okay. One. Hello and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. We are talking about Attack the Block, the 2011 film starring John Bodega by Joe, and it was directed by Joe Cornish. So we've been talking about the film itself, some of the special effects, who was in it, and now we're going to get into the nitty gritty. How well did it do? Not great. Well, there are two ways of looking at it. So it had a budget of eight million U.S. dollars. That's, you know, what you can find on Wikipedia and whatnot. And it earned about $4.1 million, which is not mm. stellar. But this is based on theatrical release. And it had a limited theatrical release. So based on its limited uh, number of screens, it was actually a very strong performer. And... In terms of critical reception, it had a pretty solid makes of reviews indicating that it was a good picture. So it's one of those cult films that audiences liked, critics liked, and it just theaters wasn't, or cinema wasn't the way that they were looking to get it out there. Like it had a limited release and then it went to home release. And I think home release is probably where it's going to be making the majority of its sales or making its money back because a theater or not a theater, a motion picture company wouldn't just necessarily green light a sequel, however many years later, without it being a decent earner. So, Paul, in terms, of, in terms of critical reception and everything here, like, what do you think about this film? Like, is it solid? I mean, special effects... Well, he said the special effects they were are, and still are good. I mean, they, great. There's, there's no complaints at all. I didn't ever think that looks fake because, as you said, it's mainly practical. Yeah, so it's a practical effect and it's a very simplistic design. It's a very subtle, nuanced design, but it's simple. So there isn't a lot you can get wrong. And so far as the details that you can actually see, there are none. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's that just, is very true. Yeah, there is, is no like, detail. It is just black, the creatures themselves. So, and I mean like jet, jet black. So there are no details to screw up there. And in terms of how well the, you know, like if it was CGI, like you'd have to make sure that the movements were correct for the creatures, wouldn't you? Yeah. So that can look fake you can have fake looking creatures because like muscle movements or the way it's twisting his body or something like that and like nah, that doesn't look quite right but because these were men in suits and these were practical effects they are there the physics is right so in terms of the special effects it's rock solid it's rather simplistic in terms of design so it's not like avatar by james cameron no but we're not expecting that either yeah, but because there's less to get wrong, it holds up remarkably well. So the special effects are solid. That's it. And as you said, and the location, it's filmed in a London block. There is it is filmed in a very contained London block. Yeah. 
there's nothing so, to go to look fake because it was all just real life stuff you know they yeah. Real onset locations so yeah. in the right time period. So again, setting was great. So the acting, we've got some great actors here. Well, yeah, considering these are all youths, you know, I don't know how old they actually are, but they there's they hold up. There's there's nothing bad at all. I didn't. They all they're, played the roles of teenagers. Fantastic. Yeah, they they were. The demographic that they, that they were looking to represent and perform as so these were very genuine actors and they were they were basically on, on they weren't being themselves i don't want i don't want to say that because they were thugs <laughs> in the movie but they were very much trying to portray teenage teenagers which they were and they came in with that genuinity genuine um acting role so i think that the acting jobs were great again yeah. Like they, there's some great names in this, so it's really solid acting jobs. The characterizations were good, so the dialogue and how the characters interacted with one another was solid too. I think that there was a lot of great um, character development throughout the course of the film. So particularly John Boyega's character and Jodie Whittaker, they had a great um, character story arc that was good. Um, John went from being the villain to the hero and jody went from being a victim to a hero which was really cool and yeah I, I think that all the characters really well done fleshed out so in that sense the characters are great now the plot aliens randomly land in the block and they do not I mean like these aren't exactly like the grays like this isn't um, the day the earth stood still where we have an intelligent species and they meet the wrong humans we have the wrong aliens meeting the wrong humans and they clash so in that sense it, it's a fairly simplistic relatively linear plot line i mean like we're just trying to survive aliens at this point but from start to finish, it is a fun ride because you basically got like the Goonies versus, or like the thug Goonies versus aliens. And that's fun to see, but it's also kind of got, a, I, I think you'd agree with this. It's kind of got like a Home Alone vibe where like they're defending their home and, there's, <laughs> and like- The R-rated like, Home Alone. Yeah, in a sense. Like the wet bandits in this one, there's, there's a little bit more to lose, but- yeah, it, it was a really solid film. I think that the, there aren't a lot of things that you can really criticize this film for. In terms of rewatchability, though, I think it suffers because it is a fast-paced plot and you want to see who lives and who dies because, of, because you do get great characters and you can quickly bond with certain characters. You want to know which ones live and die. And once you've reached that end and you go back to watch it again, a lot of the excitement has kind of like faded away because you know who's going to make it on that second watch. So in terms of rewatchability, I wouldn't necessarily say that it has that, which may hurt it a little bit in terms of being like a cult classic, but it does have a great cult following I've seen. And that is because it is a remarkably solid film. I mean, this is one of those films that you, you know, you show to your friends, like you're drinking a few lemonades one night say oh yeah have you seen attack the block that's a good movie 
and then you watch it. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, what's another movie like that? Grimace. For me, <laughs> so like for me, like, okay, so we're recording this in November. So I'm just going to, I'm going to invoke a, a November film, V for Vendetta. Yep. So V for Vendetta, you might drag that out once a year and you know exactly what date you'd watch it on. But you know, you like after you've seen V for Vendetta, like the whole like dramatic twist and like understanding who Hugo Weaving is in that movie and what's happening with Natalie Portman and all that stuff. Once you've seen V for Vendetta, it's kind of like, okay, okay. That was really good but I'm not going to go watching it again and again and again and again and again. I think the difference here, though, is this is fun. I love and I, Vendetta. Yeah, but as you say, once you see the twist, it's... A, it's. I don't think... I think this is more rewatchable. Okay. But I think, you I, I think I'm like, eating. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking this, you know, this is a comedy. It's a comedy you tend to be able to watch, you know, multiple times. You might be able to pick something, you know, that you missed last time. I, I would, yeah... Is this I a would, comedy? Yeah, would you call it that? I, I would call it. I mean, it's it's a bit of everything. It's a good mix. It's a it's an you see, when I action think of like, horror comedy. It's when I think of sci-fi horror comedy, I think of Ghostbusters. Okay, because that is definitely like you know where you stand. That is definitely funny. Well, I see, this I didn't get. I didn't get so many funny moments. Like there's, I think there are some moments to like bring the movie up because it has moments where it's so serious and so grim i think because it does have those oh yeah it does but in the same because because i hate to say it, but isn't tremors is classed as a comedy like a horror comedy mm -hmm. and i would say that this is equally would be classed as the same thing i don't know i mean i'm assuming that's it was set out to be that way but i could be wrong i found it funny at times it definitely has so, lots of comical moments in it as well so as lots from, of sorry okay so it definitely has its funny moments i i don't know for me it just isn't a comedy so like deep blue sea you've seen deep blue sea right <laughs> yes yes okay deep blue sea has some funny moments in it yeah like yeah okay most, yeah I wouldn't that's, say the most, that. <laughs> that's the most brilliant scientist on the face of the earth he's <laughs> pissing into the wind <laughs> okay that's that's funny if, if you don't get why pissing into the wind doesn't like doesn't qualify you as a brilliant mind sorry but um or or another one like uh oh, what's another funny moment well i'm not going to spoil the scene but one of samuel L. jackson's scenes in that movie <laughs> where he's giving a monologue i mean like that's equally shocking and equally funny shocking and funny yeah but um i wouldn't necessarily call or you ate my bird that was a funny moment that was funny yeah but it's not a comedy but it has those moments to like bring it up because it is such an intense movie in many scenes and i think that those points of, or those scenes with a bit of comedy in them are there to like kind of serve as a bit of a catharsis or you know like just to like let you unwind a little bit while as the story progresses it gives you like that breathing space I just yeah, think the, the the banter between the characters was just fantastic. The two young, the, the two young. Oh, there's two young ones, hands. especially. Um, yeah, was it Probs Pro and um, Mayhem? Probs and Mayhem, yeah. Again, I mean, they're even younger and they were fantastic. Yeah, so those two 
are the comedy relief in that movie. They are the comedic relief. They they fill a squirt gun up with gasoline, folks, and then they they like you think that they've just got like a squirt gun, and you're just like, what? And then you find out that like there's gasoline, and they're like, oh, those kids are way tougher than we thought. But yeah, it, it is. It has its funny moments, but I don't know if I necessarily call it a comedy. So what's what's this rated? What's um, the Adrian? I've just gone to IMDb and it's rated R. Which I assume just, which would be, I guess, 18 then here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's classed, get this, as an action adventure comedy sci-fi thriller. So it's literally it's everything in there. It's it's not a romantic period drama though. <laughs> there is no romance, which is good. Yeah, there really isn't. There's absolutely Both, nothing. I say we've so we've got um is it um Jodie Whittaker, um, who goes on to be Doctor Who. You know, the mm-hmm. first female doctor, and she's starts off right at the start of the film being robbed. She's you know shaking, she's scared, mm-hmm. and by the end of the film, you know she's saved um, John Boyega's life, and she's you know fought side by side Brilliant. with the gang. Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah, the, they're both there's, there's no love connection at all, but both well, characters. She'd get, be a pe- she'd be a pedophile, honestly. <laughs> that is true, actually, yes, because he's 15 in this film, yes. isn't he? Um, and she works as a nurse, which comes in handy when one of the kids gets bitten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely forgot about the age difference there. But it's just good to see that both the male and the female both have go go on like a a story arc of um, of growth there. Yeah, and neither one, you know, is they both get an equal amount of um, time. So yeah, it's just there's there's nothing wrong with the film at all. There's no, there's no reason why it underperformed apart from, say, I would say the language would have been off-putting to a lot of people. That's the only yeah, thing I can it, think of. It, I don't really say that it would be underperforming. It had a limited release before it went direct-to-video. So and maybe it did really well when it went direct-to-video then. Could it very just, well have, because like John Boyega, he's just skyrocketed since, you know? Well, that's it. I guess if, he, if they said, you know, oh, we'll do another one if you come back. I can't think why else they would do another one 10 years later. Yeah, well, you never know. Some people just like films. Like, I hope they never make a sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show, but at the same time, you know, like, the cast came back. I'd watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Never know. Um, I will say that the soundtrack was um, composed by Basement Jacks, who's a um, a British uh, electronic pop group that that were big back in the day. I was saying you completely lost me there. I, I have never no heard clue. of Basement Jacks. No, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't in the UK at the time, so I, I wouldn't have come across them. You know? Yeah, I assume they would have hit the States. Um, the only thing I can remember actually is Where's Your Head At? I think they have a, a dog with a person's face in the music video. That's the only thing I can remember by them. Oh, my word. But if you can't remember that, then no. Um, no, lost, lost you there then. Yeah. So, wound down. Um, it's time for the part of the podcast where we start making recommendations. So, Paul, if nothing else, if nothing else, obviously check out Attack the Block if you haven't already, or if you have and you thought it wasn't that great, go check out again because I found it better on a repeat viewing. Despite what we, despite what I was saying, that it's it doesn't um, it's not rewatchable 
or that not, hasn't got that much rewatchability. I I found it better. Um, and if you like this, I guess check out some other British like film four things like Shaun of the Dead or Scott Pilgrim versus the World. You know, there's there's got to be some some good films that people might have missed. So yeah, I'm sure everyone's seen Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz by now. Probably. Oh yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> so good. So yeah, go go check out some um, film four uh, movies. Train Spotting's another good one. Shallow Grave. There's there's loads of good kind of like indie British films that I think it was done with film four and like national lottery funding. So go go wiki that or go Google it and see what you can find by film four because there's um some hidden gems out there. I I imagine for the for the listeners overseas. Uh, Joe, if nothing else. So yeah, check out Attacker Block. Um, we've done an episode on it. Obviously, we're fans of it. Um, I'm not going to go and say, uh, check out the sequel to Pacific Rim, which also has John Boyega in it. Why not? He, he, he's, he's a fine actor, but I, I can't personally recommend that film as being amazing. Um, but I, what I will say is if you like indie pictures that may not have the most advertising or the most backing, but you can be pleasantly surprised by a lower budget flick. Check out the 2012 film, which is about the same time period this was released, called The Dinosaur Project by Sid Bennett. That's one that you might enjoy. It's kind of a slow burn, but it's got dinosaurs. It's got the big critters, big scaly creatures, dangerous animals, which we like around here on this podcast. It's got really good special effects really good it's a bit of a thriller a bit of a sci-fi um it's got some horror elements and it has some plot twists which i really wasn't expecting which was quite nice to see but um it is perfectly believable in a lot of senses um it, it isn't necessarily so out of like context and so unbelievable that you can't have that suspension of disbelief which you would normally have watching a film where humans and dinosaurs interact. But I thought it was remarkably solid and it's kind of a nice slow paced thriller. So check out The Dinosaur Project. That is Joe's recommendation. Okay. Well, thank you folks as always for listening. We really appreciate you and drop us a line. Let us know what we can do, who can come on, who you'd like to see, and we will try and snag them for you. And as always folks, keep it kaiju. Thank <laughs> you.